We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. Uh, we are presented, as always, by WinBet. Check out winbet.com for all your sports wagering needs. Another huge NFL playoff weekend coming up. Uh, plenty of action uh, to be wagered on there. So make sure uh, if you're doing any of that, it's going to be at the WinBet Sportsbook. Uh, James, we got a lot to get to today. Uh, we, we were going to talk about the, the Nets, James Harden situation, uh, kind of a somewhat of a strange uh, write-up in Bleacher Report uh, about Harden potentially wanting out of Brooklyn, uh, likely at the end of this season. Uh, but we'll dive into that. We'll talk about some of the updated MVP odds uh, at the DK Sportsbook, uh, some teams to monitor ahead of the deadline. Uh, and then we'll do a check-in on uh, on some of our more important fantasy teams and what's gone right, what's gone, in my case, mostly wrong uh, in some of those leagues. But we were hit with a bit of a surprise topic that we, we certainly need to address to begin the pod. We have a new rising stars format and, and anyone who's listened to this pod over the years knows that all-star weekend is something that I, I care dearly about. It's something that you uh, really couldn't care less about. So I, I think this is going to be something that impacts me a lot more than it impacts you, but we are now doing away apparently with the U S versus international format, which was a mix of rookies and sophomores. Uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing from a lengthy bu- like eight bullet point graphic that the NBA put out earlier today uh, we will now have four teams of seven players, which will compete in a mini tournament consisting of three games. Uh, and each game will be played to a final target score. The pool will consist of 28 players, 12 rookies, 12 sophomores, and get this, four young players from the NBA G League Ignite. Um, most of this is really not all that important, but essentially, you know, team A plays team B, team C plays team D. The winner of that game plays for, I guess, the Rising Stars Championship. Do you care about this whatsoever? Um, I mean, I think it's a cool way to kind of upgrade the event and make it more 
interesting. I think if I uh, if I had more time, I probably would find a way to watch all three of those games. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just feel like it's unlikely that I will have the time to sit down and watch those games live. But um, I could see the the highlights being worth checking on later. But um, I mean, this definitely seems like an upgrade to me in terms of the right. format. And uh, I like the idea of getting the G League Ignite involved mm-hmm. and, you know, for this year, but for, for future years as well, I think it could end up being a nice little kind of nugget for them to get better recruits and stuff like that. Right. I, I think that is by far the number one priority here, right? Which is getting publicity for G League Ignite. Like you said, if you have a player who is, thinking, ah, maybe I'll go overseas, maybe I'll go to Duke, maybe I'll go to Kentucky, you know, maybe I'll go to the G League. This is a this is a pretty big boon, I think, if you're one of those guys to be a part of All-Star Weekend and you get to play against somebody like an Anthony Edwards, um, you know, in a game like this, LaMelo Ball. I mean, there's going to be a, a decent amount of talent on the floor in this game. Um, it, it should be noted, so the, the two, I guess, semifinal games in this format will be played to 50, and then the championship game played to 25. Uh, that, of course, adds up to 75. It is the NBA's 75th season. Uh, they're trying to tie that in virtually any way they can. So I feel like this is all going to go pretty quick. Um, you know, it, it'll probably wrap up in just a little more time than the normal uh, rookie sophomore allotment. But uh, to me, this, this feels a little unnecessary. I, I totally get why they want to get the G League guys uh, involved. I think that makes a lot of sense. My question is, are only the the prospects from G League Ignite eligible for this game? Because CJ Miles, Amir Johnson, Costa Kufis, those guys are all on the roster. Like, are, are they eligible to, to play in this game? I mean, I don't see any reason why they would do that. So I'm just, I'm assuming it's just going to be the four best prospects every year. Although I, I was more interested in, like, I assume that the, like, Jaden Hardy types right. would be involved. But my question is, would someone like Scoot Henderson be involved considering he's not even in this upcoming class, but he's right. two class. No, exactly. I, I, I've wondered the same thing. I, I would guess, I mean, he's tech, he's on the roster, so you would think he'd be eligible to play. And, you know, it's not like this is a sanctioned, uh, you know, regular season NBA game. So I, I don't know if that age requirement or the one year out of high school requirement applies here. That's a, that's a very good question. I, that, that is not specified. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was obviously kidding about the, the veterans on this team. So, I mean, you're really only looking at, uh, if if this current listing is correct, I'm looking at the G league ignite roster. There's six players who are age 20 or younger. You have a couple guys who maybe are technically considered prospects that are in their, in their low twenties. Um, but really you have six guys to choose from. And, and yeah, if somebody like a Dyson Daniels or Scooter Henderson is not eligible, then it, it trims it down pretty quickly. But uh, either way, yeah, I think this is a nice a nice way to get those guys more involved. Um, you know, raises the stakes a little bit in some ways. And I think if you're an evaluator, like you're trying to get a look at someone like Scoot Henderson or Jaden Hardy or Michael Foster, I mean, it's not like this is going to be the highest level of play. But I, I think given the format and given what's at stake, we'll probably see a, a little more effort in terms of, you know, defense, especially from these guys who, you know, these prospects have, have somewhat, you know, something to prove. Like they're, they're playing for draft stock in some ways. So I, I don't think this will be – quite as much of a laugher as it's been uh, in terms of like the, the quality of play in recent years. Yeah. And I mean, you just, it's nice to get to see guys like top draft prospects uh, just on the same court as other high end NBA athletes, just right. to kind of see how they match up physically and um, from an athleticism standpoint. So um, 
you know, I mean, it would have been like a lot of fun last year if we could have seen Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga versus the best rookies and sophomores just to sort of see how they stacked up. And, um, you know, I mean, I think it's a, it's a pretty weak G League Ignite class of prospects for this upcoming draft, but then uh-huh. Scoot Henderson is obviously a candidate to be the number one overall pick two years from now. So um, ideally in future years, you would have, you know, two green Kaminga level guys, at least that could be involved in this. You know, one interesting point I saw with regard to why the league would maybe be making this change is it was Michael Lee, I think from the athletic tweeted it out. He said he wondered if there's just wasn't enough appealing international talent to stick with that format this year. Like would, would the league have had to dip into, you know, to get, to get two 12 man teams, you know, U S versus international, would the league have had to dip into too low of a caliber of player to fill the international team based on how these last two drafts have gone. Yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a pretty obvious issue that they would have faced because I think these last couple of classes have been um, overly weak on the international side compared to past drafts. Yeah, I mean, the 2021 class, I, I think you could you could find a decent amount. I mean, Giddy, Kaminga, Wagner, you know, those guys are all top eight picks. Uh, I think those would be easy choices. You know, Duarte is Canadian. Uh, Shangun, I think, is enough of a name. You could throw him in there. Uh, but you run out of names fairly quick. And then, I mean, 2020, Precious Achua is probably the, the biggest international name, unless I'm missing an obvious one. You know, Killian Hayes, Avdia, Pokashevsky, uh, not, not a ton to choose from. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was maybe not the main reason, but at least a, a kind of a minor reason why this was made. Yeah, and then they can just in future years, assuming they do, they stick with this, then, I mean, they could still go back up to 12 international guys or 14 international guys or whatever, just depending on best players available. Um, I mean, this might also be just a minor sort of, I don't know if this could be a test case for like a, a mid-season tournament uh, sure. on the NBA side, um, where I would, I would guess that for the midseason tournament, you wouldn't be talking about full twelve-man rosters necessarily um, per team, so could be just another way of trying that out. Yeah, I mean, testing the waters even with a play to a certain number system, I, I think that's certainly a part of it. Um, and you know, I mean, the, the stakes really can't be lower than the Rising Stars game. You know, I, I think Summer League is is kind of a a spot where they've experimented in the past. I mean, this kind of has that that same vibe. Um, you know, I, I think if they, if they were to do something with like the actual all-star game that people care slightly more about, um, that would be a bigger deal. But I, you know, for the most part, I don't think anybody's going to be too fired up about changing the format of a game. That's, that's kind of faded in recent years. The NBA season is underway and Yahoo is excited to go big on daily fantasy basketball this season. There'll be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contests which are now shark-free. To celebrate Yahoo going big on DFS, as well as Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo's giving all users the opportunity to claim a free $10 in site credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 site credit to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. Yahoo will have daily NBA contests all season long as well. Play a single-game contest of your choice throughout the week. Then, join Yahoo's weekly Friday main NBA contest to compete for large cash prizes. Play daily fantasy basketball on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy 
slash welcome to claim that free $10 offer and get started today. Thrive Fantasy is back for another season of fantasy basketball, and they're running guaranteed contests every single day this NBA season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes who have the biggest impacts on the game. Sign up today, and you'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. That will give you access to everything on our website, not just our NBA content, all of our other sports, a ton of value wrapped up in that free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you can go about claiming your free RotoWire subscription. Step one, visit rotowire.com thrive. That's T-H-R-I-V-E. Step two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Finally, step three, play in your first paid contest and then you'll receive that free six-month RotoWire subscription. Thrive Fantasy, check it out today. If there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire, it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface. Money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six U.S. states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding nationwide. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app right now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. I want to transition to the James Harden Bleacher Report story uh, that came out earlier today. None of this overly surprising. I mean, essentially, you know, the main headlines are James Harden doesn't enjoy living in the city of Brooklyn, uh, doesn't really uh, necessarily enjoy playing with Kyrie Irving and the situation and the circus that has followed that. Um, and essentially, I, I think the biggest point of this is not, you know, he's not demanding a trade. He doesn't want out, you know, before the February 10th deadline. But it's very clear at this point that while he may return to the Nets, he's at the very least going to test the waters and, I think the belief is that a, a reunion with, with Daryl Morey in Philly looks more and more realistic, at least on, you know, from Harden's perspective, obviously Philly would have to, um, you know, do some cap maneuvering and, and other things to, to actually make room for Harden on that roster. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing for Harden is getting somewhere that's willing to give him that four year, what's that like four years, 210 mil or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Um, like it's some crazy four-year extension that he's eligible for this offseason. And if the Nets have maybe been sort of hinting that they might be more interested in like a two- or three-year extension and they've sort of had him there long enough to sort of be a, un- uncomfortable with the idea of giving him four years at that, that number, uh, I could see him just at least wanting to get another team involved as a – realistic threat to sort of get some leverage on his side. And um, I, I mean, obviously I'm sure he 
doesn't enjoy the Kyrie Irving circus and you know Kevin Durant is just has sort of final say on everything that's related so um, you know he might think that he would have a little bit more organizational power in Philly uh, I don't I mean I think offensively the fit between him and Embiid would be amazing but then defensively uh, you know you pretty much everywhere Harden goes they run like a switching scheme on defense and if you have Joel Embiid you don't really want to run a switching scheme so that part would be challenging but um, yeah I mean I, I think it's kind of about leverage and just making sure that he has multiple options in case the Mets decide that they don't want to give him that full extension higher peaks you know there's, there's maybe been more criticism uh lobbed at him defensively but but Lillard ultimately has a lot of those same shortcomings even if they're not as as obvious and you know at times memeable but I, I think I'm with you I, I trust Lillard to to come back from this it's not a torn ACL it's not a torn Achilles you know it's not something that you would think would like you know kind of degrade his body as he gets older and I think everything we know about Lillard is you know he prepares as well as anybody. And if there's someone who can kind of follow this Chris Paul like path of still being really effective into his late thirties, I think it's the guy who we know is a super hard worker and takes care of his body versus the guy who famously does not do any of those things. Right. And, uh, you know, Lillard's offensive game is sort of less, uh, dependent on like quickness and athleticism, I think. Right. Like, and, yep. and Harden's already, you know, he's, he's lost a step and, and he's always been somebody who relied a lot on getting into the paint. Um, whereas Lillard, it's just more about just having that elite range and being able to get a shot off from anywhere. So um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think we've also maybe sort of seen Lillard do more with less around him in the past. Uh, granted, I mean, Harden has... Uh, played on some really high-end teams, especially the team that challenged the Warriors a, a few years ago, but um, those teams had a, a ton of talent on them. And so, yeah, I mean, I, the thing is, like, I think it's maybe easier for Philly to envision this uh, Harden thing working out because, I mean, Lillard might be open to going to Philly once he gets his max extension. But, I mean, Lillard could already be in Philly if he wanted to be in Philly. You know, like right. if, if he had said two months ago, four months ago, whatever, six months ago, you know, I'd like to play for a ring in Philly next to Joel Embiid, then that would have already happened. So I, I wonder if Philly is maybe just unsure if Lillard's ever going to be an option. All of this seems to be leading toward Ben Simmons not being traded at the deadline. I, I think if you're – if you're Philly, depending on, you know, even if this reporting is being pushed out by one side or the other, I think if there's enough of a belief that Daryl Morey can get James Harden this offseason, he's not going to, you know, burn his his best trade asset on, you know, a, a package to get Tyrese Halliburton or De'Aaron Fox or Karis LeVert or whoever it might be. Um, and, you know, I don't know. It, also in, in that Bleacher Report story, there was a note that like Embiid believes that, you know, this team could compete for a title as currently constructed. I, I mean, maybe. I don't know. They're they're eight games over 500 right now. They're one of like six teams that seem to be in the mix to be number one in the East on, in any given week, depending on who's out or who gets hot. 
Um, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't pick the Sixers to win the title, but it's not, I, I don't think they're to the point where, you know, Sixers fans are going to look back and say, man, we, we, we should have traded Ben Simmons for, you know, an, another number two or number three option. And we could have won the title. Like I, I feel like it's, a, it's wide open enough and the upside of bringing in a superstar uh, via trading Ben Simmons this offseason is high enough that I, I don't think Philly is going to necessarily be forced into that decision at the deadline. No, I mean, I think that they've they've made tons of mistakes since Maury got there in terms of how they've handled the Ben Simmons situation, but um, it might be another mistake if they traded him at the deadline at this point, just given who's available and how low his value seems to be. That's the biggest thing is that his value has continued to sink and sink. I, you know, I, I think the hope, you know, in like early November was that, you know, when they were really pushing to get him back on the court, I think they felt like we need to rehab this guy's value. We need to show that he's in shape, that he's engaged. Um, and that, you know, once it became clear that that was not coming to fruition, I think it, it ultimately came very unlikely uh, that he was going to be dealt. Speaking of the trade deadline, I, I want to talk about a handful of teams and, and see which teams, um, you know, you would nominate as, you know, buyers, sellers, teams that you're actually just going to be keeping an eye on as the deadline approaches. I, I think it's more interesting almost to talk about potential buyers because we, we kind of know, you know a lot of the teams that are going to be selling, you know, that, that news, it felt like it came out like a week into the season that Indiana was you know looking to offload their guys. Like the Kings always have one or two guys they're trying to offload. You know, Houston has contracts like Eric Gordon. Um, you know, I think New Orleans is potentially a team that could offload some players, but I mean, who are the teams that I, I think see the way that the standings are shaking up right now? Uh, I, I don't think there's a true juggernaut in either conference that you you look at and say, I don't think we can beat that team. You know, especially when you have stories like this coming out about the team that you know has the highest odds to win the title right now in the Brooklyn Nets. You know, the Warriors haven't looked great of late with Draymond injured. You know, Milwaukee's been a little shaky. I, I think like half the league in in each conference could talk themselves into being like one or two moves away from at least making the conference finals. So, I mean, if you're a team like Dallas, Charlotte, Cleveland, Chicago, even Memphis or Phoenix, like, are, are, are you looking at this deadline as a means of adding one more guy to, to potentially separate yourself? Um, I mean, the only one of those teams really that I think could maybe realistically add a guy who changes their odds significantly is Memphis because they have all these picks and young players that they could trade. And I don't know which of these other teams, like, you know, the Suns, the Warriors, the Jazz, like, they can't really do anything. Like, what do, what do those teams have that they're going to be willing to trade? Um, you know, the Warriors have some young guys that they could trade, but they need to have matching salary in those deals, in theory, to, to add, like, a difference maker and, I don't think they're going to trade Draymond or Clay. So, um, and like Wiggins, are, is there, is it even possible to get a player better than Wiggins? Um, and For so that I, point, no. I don't really, yeah, I don't really know which of those three contenders out West could do anything that really moved the needle. Um, so I, I would look at Memphis and then, you know, the, the Nets and the Bucks uh, and even the Heat are kind of, in a similar place too, where, you know, unless did the heat want to just trade Duncan Robinson and every future first they can for a difference maker um, like that, that could maybe work. 
because I, I don't really think they need Duncan Robinson and that contract is just going to keep looking worse and worse. So if they could upgrade that position, maybe that would make them um, like a co-favorite out East. But I just, I don't see the Bulls as being realistic contenders with all these injuries, no matter what they do. Uh, you know, if, if they could get uh, Harrison Barnes or Jeremy Grant for Patrick Williams, I mean, that would be as big of a move as any that we're likely to see, but I, I don't really get the sense that they want to trade Patrick Williams. So, I mean, I think in terms of just interesting buyers, I think the Grizzlies are the most interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, the question is with Memphis, like, what are you trading? Like, I, I, I'm looking at the, you know, at their cap sheet right now and, yeah, you're probably not trading Desmond Bain, right? I mean, unless you're really getting a major upgrade to entice you to do that, I, I think they want to keep him for the future. Like, I guess you could, you know, you could package like D'Anthony Melton, Tyus Jones, Zaire Williams, uh, maybe even Brandon Clark, who's, who's looked better over the last month or so. Obviously, you have picks, but I mean, at the end of the day, I, I, I think you're right. All those teams that I brought up, like, there's not an obvious, you know, like the way we talked about Michael Porter Jr. last year at the deadline of like, would Denver include him, you know, in in some sort of mega deal, like all these trades that we're talking about, it's like at best, you're maybe getting like a Karis Levert level player. And, you know, I don't, I don't think the Suns, you know, trading a contract and they're like 2025 first round pick for Eric Gordon. Like does, that doesn't really move the needle for me all that much. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we'll see a couple of deals, but I, I think you're probably right that, you know, temper expectations as far as big name, you know, power shift in the conference type of trades being, being done. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the dream would be to trade for Jalen Brown. Um, right. I, I don't see the Celtics um, pull the trigger on something like that. Uh, maybe you could trade for, like, Pascal Siakam. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I think, like, most likely Jeremy Grant is going to be the best player to get traded. I think Charlotte, to me, is interesting. I, I think if you're the Hornets – you're, you're currently in seventh place in the East, but you're four games out of first. And this is a team that hasn't had really any success since it's been in Charlotte. I, I think they're maybe a little more motivated than some of these other teams that probably feel pretty good about their current roster and, and just the infrastructure. You know, a team like Miami, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, those teams probably trust that they have enough to at least get to the conference finals. I, I don't know what the upgrade is for Charlotte, but that's one team that I could see, you know, maybe making a splashy move. You know, if you can, if you can try to offload Gordon Hayward or, or upgrade Terry Rozier. I mean, you're not trading LaMelo. You're probably not trading Miles Bridges unless for some reason you don't want to end up giving him that extension in the future. Um, other than that, they, they don't have, you know, a super appealing young player to throw in, but there are enough pieces there that I could see them at least being active. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure like PJ Washington and James Booknight and sure. future picks are available, but uh, right. I, doubt I don't it. think that gets you Siakam. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's going to be – it's just kind of like, is there a wild card? Uh, is is there some GM out there who's willing to do something that nobody really sees coming? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could see maybe the Cavs doing something crazy and, like, making some sort of all-in move that they probably shouldn't make. Or <laughs> uh, maybe the, the Pistons trade Jeremy Grant somewhere and we're just kind of like amazed at how little it took to get Jeremy Grant. Um, I don't know, something like that, but yeah, I just, I think it's, uh, 
I hope I'm wrong, but I feel like not a ton exciting is going to happen in the deadline. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, we may see Russell Westbrook traded for John Wall, which would be, you asked me over the weekend, like how excited would you be? And I think I responded by saying I would cloud nine. And I really would. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know if did you, clearly you did not see the hype video that John Wall released where he appeared to just be playing like half court with his buddies and like there was like a six two like two hundred fifty pound man trying to guard him, and he just he just like shut him right down, and Wall and Wall ended up having to pass the ball in midair. Uh, so he's ready. I mean, I I do think though there is there is some like massive addition by subtraction potential for the Lakers. Like obviously you're not expecting to get anything out of John Wall, but just not having the you know capital letter Russell Westbrook obligation, uh, you know, on your roster where like even when you're being conservative and even when you're sitting him out, he still has to play like thirty minutes. Um, this is just like fully removing that from the roster, even if, even though it maybe creates a huge hole and, and kills you, you know, cap wise, I think there's something to be said from that. And, and then you're just down to LeBron AD and, you know, some of these kind of crappy rosters that LeBron's had around in the past that for better or for worse, have usually resulted in at least a conference finals berth. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder if you might just see the Lakers just do everything and also do the like. THT Kendrick Nunn future unprotected first move too because yeah um, that like if you got Westbrook off the team and then you brought in a new third best player via those moves um, I mean like that 
that future first might be as good as any asset as we see moved. Um, and I wonder if, you know, I, I don't, the, the Lakers kind of screwed themselves by the contract they gave Taylor Horton Tucker because it's just not a, it's, it seems like an unlikely contract for him to ever be like a huge value on. But mm-hmm. um, you wonder if like just how good guys like Kuzma and Ingram have been since leaving LA, maybe some team could talk themselves in the tail horn Tucker being a distressed asset right now. It, we have to give our, you know, tip our caps to the Lakers PR team. It's been like a two year tour of, of tail horn Tucker. Like they, I, I think they're like scheduling tweets for LeBron at this point to, to hype up his trade value. He's not been good at all. Like he, like once a month, he'll have a game where you're like, wow, okay. I kind of see it. And you know, you hear all these stories about him dominating practice, but the numbers have been, you know, pretty atrocious. I mean, they, they, they make a big deal every time he's like come back from injury or you know, he missed a few games due to COVID and, you know, he's back in the starting lineup and has three points in 31 minutes on one of 13 shooting in his first game back. Um, you know, last 16 games, 9.7 points per game on 42, 22, 75 shooting splits, you know, almost two turnovers a game in 25 minutes. Like I, I just don't see it. And I think there, there may be our teams out there that, would like the opportunity to develop Taylor Horton Tucker because he is super young, um, you know, for how much experience he has. I mean, he's born in 2000, um, just turned 21 a couple months ago, but I don't think those teams are going to be willing to help out the LA Lakers and toss them a better player than they should be getting for him in any kind of trade. Right. Like, I, yeah, exactly. I, teams would take Taylor Horton Tucker, but the Lakers are going to value him more than, any of these other teams like but I think the rest of the league is probably looking at him as like neutral salary that they would take on just on a whim and just sort of see what they have whereas the Lakers are viewing him as like this is our piece that we're going to use to turn into something good I think there's a collective uh and I think we saw this back in like 2016 or 17 when they really bottomed out you know when Magic was was kind of in his heyday as the the controller there I, I think there's a collective like I told you so, I guess, you know, from, from the league with the Lakers, like nobody wants to step in and help this team. You know, you don't want to be the team that, you know, gives the Lakers some piece that all of a sudden, you know, kind of rewards them for all the terrible decisions that they've made over the last few years, you know, culminating in the Westbrook trade. Um, I don't know, like not, not that the rest of the league is like conspiring against the Lakers, but I, I think, I think if you're 29 other teams and you've seen this franchise that like rarely goes more than seven or eight years without winning a finals, I, you know, I, I think there's a kind of collective laughter probably going on at, at how, how much of a circus this has become. And nobody wants to be the GM that, that bails out Rob Palinka. Right. And it like just the sort of failing upward aspect of things right. where they just had no, on the merits, there was no reason for anyone of LeBron's caliber to choose mm-hmm. to go there. And he just went there because it was LA. So I'm sure there's, um, yeah, I don't think people are going to be broken up about the fact that this Lakers season ended in a disaster. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're kind of seeing, you know, not quite as much of a, you know, comedic disaster, but I mean, Boston also struggling similarly. I mean, New York has had its ups and downs. Uh, I, I don't think teams like that really ever get too much sympathy. Uh, let, let's touch on MVP odds real quickly. And we've done these a ton. We've basically been tracking them week to week all season. I, I will say I'm surprised that Steph Curry is still the leader. And it, I will admit that it, it's hard to 
it's hard to make you know build a build a very strong case for why someone else should absolutely be number one because guys like Giannis and Jokic who have the numbers you know their teams have been you know either not all that good in Jokic's case or not as good as expected in Giannis's case so so I get the argument for Curry you know he he kind of is basically the incumbent after getting off to such a hot start but you know as I brought up a number of times when you go all the way back to the end of November Curry is at thirty seven percent from the field over his last 25 games. He's well under 35% from three. And, and in some ways we have to judge him on a different scale just because of how good he's been in the past. But it would feel very weird if Steph Curry wins the MVP in a year where he has like one of his worst 30 game stretches of his entire career. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's a really bad line. Um, like I, I just think it's almost, I, you don't want to say never, but it just, it seems like the narrative is just completely gone for Steph. Like it, he used to just have this clear best narrative in the league for winning the MVP. And I feel like that's completely evaporated. And just like, you know, Draymond's absence making Steph look so much worse just doesn't help an MVP case, right? Like if, mm-hmm. if, uh, Drew Holiday missed 25 games and Giannis just started playing like a shell of himself. That wouldn't look very good. Uh, whereas the exact opposite has happened for Jokic. Like he's without Jamal Murray, he's without Michael Porter Jr. And he's playing better than he's ever played. And the players around Jokic are just terrible compared to the players around Steph Curry and the players around Giannis. So, like I look at the odds and I think I think Jokic at plus five hundred is is uh is pretty solid. I mean they're they'd be the sixth seed in the West right now. Um right. I, I wanna say the I wanna say the Thunder were the sixth seed the year that Russ won the MVP. Um I'm, I, I'm working to hard. confirm. But like I mean, I know that it's it's it does kind of run against um past precedence to give a guy the MVP when his team's three games above 500. But I really think like anyone who is more than just a casual fan can look at the players on that Nuggets roster and really be incredibly impressed by how good Jokic is able to make that team. Um, Like when he's on the court, they're a really, really, really good team. It's just like when he's off the court, they're like the worst team in the league, basically. So that's, it's, you know, they're they're not only three games above 500 because of anything he's doing wrong. And um, mm-hmm. I think like the more I watch, the more I watch Jokic this year, I just think he's he's on he's on like another level in terms of just being a regular season most valuable player and just really really lifting up his entire team by himself. Yeah, I mean. Uh... The biggest thing that he's competing against, I think, team record aside, is just the narrative that it's tough to win it twice, especially if you're on a team that you know isn't all that successful relatively. But you know, the scoring is almost exactly where it was last year. He's adding three rebounds per game. The assists are close. Uh, the defensive numbers are about the same. He's been more efficient as a shooter, a little lower at the free throw line. But I mean, he's basically having as good, if not slightly better, of a season than last year when you had Jamal Murray and you had Michael Porter in the mix for most of that year. So I, I think you have to take context 
um, into account here. And really, if there was ever a time where a, a, like a player on a team that finishes five games above 500 could win the MVP, it feels like it would be this year, right? Because, you know, one, we don't even, we don't really have a, one team that's going to go win 70 games and have like a, you know, like if I, I'm trying to think of an example, I don't know, like if, if the Bucks were on pace to go, you know, 70 and 12, Giannis is going to get the MVP no matter what, even if his numbers weren't as good as his last two MVP seasons, like just being a, you know, top five player in the league on a team that's that good is automatic. We don't have a team like that this year. And we also don't have a player who is, is running away with it. You know, if anything, we just talked about the guy leading the odds, you know, in a 25 game slump and maybe shouldn't even be the leader. And the fact that he still is the leader indicates that, that no one else has taken it. So you know, while I think you're totally right, um, and I did look, Russ, you know, Russ's Thunder did finish sixth the year that he won it, but they were also 12 games above 500. That was like at the peak of the Western Conference being super deep and super dominant. I, I think, you know, for one, this team could certainly get better once Jamal Murray is back and maybe that record looks better. But I, I just I just don't think there's, you know, that the team uh, team success component is going to be as much a part of the equation this year as it historically has been. Yeah, I mean, I think the cutoff is you you, you definitely have to be a top six seed. Like, sure. you're, you're not going to win the MVP if you have to be in the play-in game. But um, I think if you can get top six seed, um, you know, I think Giannis is – like, I'm not saying that Jokic should be the favorite necessarily. I think Giannis is just as deserving as Jokic. Yeah. Uh, I think they're both better candidates than Embiid because – with Embiid, it's basically been, you know, he's, he's playing at an MVP level over the past, like, three weeks. But, you know, for the whole season, Giannis and Jokic have been dominating. Um, and, I mean, I think if you put – like, if you put Jokic on the Sixers, I think they would be better than they are yeah. with Embiid, um, whether or not that's fair or not. But uh, – I just think at plus 500 with Giannis at plus 250 and at plus 475 Jokic at plus 500 does kind of stand out to me just because um, yeah, I mean, it's so easy to just make the Jokic case when you look at the players that are on his team. Uh -huh. uh, and I just don't think the odds are quite representative of what they should be. I mean, Curry, I think Curry should not be in the top two. I think, it, I think Giannis and Jokic should be the two favorites. Yeah. Right now. I would go Giannis, Jokic, Curry, Embiid. I, I think in terms of likelihood of winning the award, I, I don't know exactly how I would handicap it. Uh, and, and I should say, Curry is at plus 230, Giannis plus 250, Embiid plus 475, Jokic 5-1. to one. Uh, So these are, are all pretty tight. And, and really, you could put them in, in just about any order. And I don't, you, I don't think you'd get that much flack. Would you cut it off there? Is there anyone, you know, you got Morant at 11-1. to one. To me, that, that just seems... That that's that's not a good number. I don't I don't think John Morant is is going to win the MVP. Uh, you got KD at twenty two to one. You got DeRozan thirty five to one. Luca forty to one. LeBron lurking at forty five to one, uh, and then Booker and Chris Paul uh, forty five and fifty to one respectively. Yeah, I think it's just those those four. Um, I think so too. It's it, the MVP is not an award where you should go looking for a long shot, uh, especially halfway through the season. Um, pretty much just always goes to someone that everyone agrees is a top five or six player. That's actually a good point. I'd have to look back, but I, I can't think of the last time that we'd have to really do some digging, but like the last time that the MVP winner wasn't in the top, at least five 
in the odds, you know, at midseason. I there really hasn't I can't think of a time that someone's come out of nowhere over the last 35 games of the year uh to, to grab the MVP. The only guy of that list that I would maybe think about is Chris Paul. And I've made my you know lifetime achievement, best team in the league, um, you know, MVP case to you before. So yeah, you know, I, I won't dig into it again, but 50 to one for you know the face of I think what's probably going to be far and away the best team in the league record-wise. I think there's maybe some value there, but again, you would you would need at least two of those guys that we talked about, um, you know, as the the elite like stat getters. At least two of those guys would either have to get hurt or their teams would really have to fall off. And I, I think the difference in production between Chris Paul and guys like Curry and Giannis and Embiid and Jokic, even if the Suns have eight to ten more wins, the difference in production is enough that it, it probably ultimately prevents him from from winning the award. I, I think he finishes fourth or fifth when all is said and done, but I, I don't think he's a, a true candidate to win it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I agree with everything you said. I, like LeBron at plus 4,500 seems like a little too low. Right. Uh, there, there's always, but, there's but always there's, a chance that they win 10 in a row. There's just, it does seem incredibly unlikely just given that their schedule is harder in the second half than it is in the first half. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe like AD comes back and they win ten out of twelve. Um, I don't know. I, it I don't it seems it, like it, it should be. I mean, Durant like Durant shouldn't even be on the board, right? Like, no. Be I mean, close. I don't know who's betting Durant at twenty-two to one, and it's like if you moved him down to seventy to one, would that make people bet him? Like, I I don't know. I would I wouldn't bet it at any number. Right. Um, yeah, that, that one's weird to me. What does it say about Anthony Davis, by the way, that he's coming back tonight and I don't, I don't feel any differently about the Lakers. You know, like if, if any other team had a, a guy of his profile coming back, you'd be like, all right, here we go. We, we could we could go on a run here. I was like, this isn't going to change anything. <laughs> yeah, um, his um, his stock has really trended down since that that bubble finals. Yeah, I don't think it'll ever be higher than when he hit that game-winning three. I, since yeah. that day, I think it has been on a on a sharp decline. Uh, let's finish out by touching on just a few of our fantasy teams that we've we've tracked throughout the year. Um, well, let's let's start with the SKBL, where I think you've pretty much led wire to wire. Uh, you, me, and Barutha were going back and forth over the first few weeks of the season, but uh, pretty much ever ever since the the COVID stuff started. Uh, you, you took a commanding lead, and I, I'm still hanging around, but uh, losing Lonzo Ball this past week was, was a pretty big pretty big hit to my chances. Um, you built a hell of a team in this league. This is our, our kind of dynasty league with contracts and keepers and all that. Um, you did lose Miles Turner. That's a fairly big hit, but, I mean, how, how are you feeling now with, I don't know, how many weeks left in the regular season, like five or six? Yeah, so what, we're like a little bit past the halfway point. I think so. Yeah. The, the, the layout here is very confusing. I, yeah. I mean, I think I, the, the Miles Turner thing definitely sucks. Uh, I'm going to just hang on to him and hope that he comes back with like a month to go or something like that. Um, it's just, it's like, I expect to sort of lose ground in the standings gradually every week from here on out. It's just a matter of whether I can hold you off. Um, yeah, I had a pretty fortunate auction. I was I wasn't even sure if I was gonna to try to compete this year because I didn't know if I had quite enough 
but then um, all of the rookies were going for more than I wanted to spend on them, and all of the uh, sort of buy injured keeper types, you know, like Clay Thompson's, whoever, um, they were all going for a little bit more than I wanted to spend, so I just kind of got a bunch of centers because I knew I needed blocks. So I, I got Turner and Wendell Carter and Porzingis and um, Chris Paul and LaMelo. Just combining those two with those those blocks guys has really been a nice recipe. But um, I'm not feeling confident. I mean, I, I, I recognize that my team probably peaked about a month ago. I feel like you have a D'Angelo Russell injury in you and like i think that's i mean you're, you have a very nice roster and you did you did nail the auction that's for sure no question about that um i mean to, to be on the fence about competing and then basically be in first place for like 90 percent of the year uh says a lot but i mean guys like porzingis staying healthy d'angelo russell staying healthy chris paul staying healthy uh the lamello breakout uh a lot of things have gone james anderson's way i, I feel like there's a there's a chance that things reverse a little bit over these next few weeks. Yeah. I don't know about a D'Angelo injury, but I mean, there, there's no way Porzingis doesn't <laughs> get hurt within the next 10 days or so. He's been suspiciously healthy. Uh, and I, I, by the way, I still have THT uh, I'm in my reserve uh, pool right now. So if, if you're interested, I'll, I'll have to start floating some offers uh, at the deadline. How are your, your NFBKC team or teams looking this year? Uh, so I'm in, I did two, uh, draft champions, mm-hmm. the $150 draft and holds, and I'm in first place in one and ninth place in the other. So, okay. um, and it's really, all it's been is I've been pretty healthy in one and pretty injured in the other. So, um, you know, not, not surprising that this season, I mean, it really has been a war of attrition. Uh, you know, if you, especially in like a draft and hold, you're, you're just kind of stuck with what you leave the draft with. And um, it does seem like we're kind of through the worst of it from uh, guys just, you know, having your entire bench, just all red outs. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, you can't, it's tough to come back from like ninth at this point in the season. So I'm, I'm pretty much focused on this one that I'm in first place. In. I continue to regret taking SGA over LeBron. Uh, LeBron went 31st overall in my league. I, so I took, I took SGA at 22nd and you know, in retrospect, probably should have taken Gobert or, or Donovan Mitchell or probably even Chris Paul who went 29th, but I was kicking myself. I almost got LeBron, you know, on the, you know, when it came back around at 34, but, but not, I think if I had LeBron instead of SGA, I would be in very good shape. I'm currently in fourth. So probably just high enough that I can, I can talk myself into competing uh, to actually win the league over these next few weeks. And, you know, inevitably I will, I will likely come up short. Um, but I do have Steph in that league and that looked really good early on. I mean, obviously he's still been super valuable fantasy wise, uh, just to what he, what he gives you like volume three point shooting is, is hard to compete with. Um, but I have Jalen Brown in that league. I, I, I kind of hit in some ways on, on Will Barton, Jared Allen, um, you know, don't look now, but RJ Barrett has been playing very well. For the last 10 or 15 games that that's been a hit. Uh, but you know, the, the SGA over LeBron thing, I, I think is kind of going to be, you know, what, what, what kind of hangs over my entire fantasy basketball season. So um, yeah, I mean that one, I, I would have done the same thing. I don't know if there might've been somebody else besides SGA that I would have taken, but I, I definitely would have taken him over LeBron. Yeah. Um, 
the the team that I have that's in first place, I actually took Paul George in the first and Michael Porter in the third, and I'm still in first. How? Uh, uh, I had Trey Young and uh, Anthony Edwards and Miles Bridges and John Collins and Wendell Carter and Jalen um, Brunson. And then, like, just some sneaky – like, having, like, Alex Caruso – for when he's been healthy and like Yaka yeah. Kangu lately, like just guys that get you a ton of steals or, or a ton of blocks. Like, mm-hmm. and um, I don't think I've had to really take any zeros, which has been huge. Like, I've always sort of had a healthy body to, to plug in. Mm-hmm. I've I ran into that. Like, NFBKC is n- notoriously stingy on the positional designations. So, I there were, there were definitely guys that I thought were center eligible and I should have checked. And I just had to like start JaVale McGee for multiple weeks in a row. Uh, but I've, I've gone through that same thing that you mentioned, you know, with like the blocks and steals. Jumo Kiki has been my guy in that yeah. regard for, for the last couple months. He, he had a three game run where he had 14 steals at one point. Um, he has like, I think he has like at least one steal in every game since like December 11th. Um, he's been a monster. I, I have Thibel in that league and I don't, like Thibel's been banged up so much that I, I barely even start him, but he's always somebody that I want in a league like that because I don't want someone else to have him. Like, it's just, it's just like nice insurance that if you, if you feel like you just need to add some blocks and steals, especially out of position, you know, for a guard or a wing, like it's such a nice luxury to be able to bring him in, even if you're not getting much else. Yeah. I've got, uh, I've got Okiki in the SKBL and I think he's like a top 50 player over the last like two or three weeks while averaging fewer than 10 points. Yeah, he's a he's a complete monster on defense. I mean, not I, I think peak Jonathan Isaac was better. Like those defensive numbers were insane, but he kind of seems to be heading down that same path. And we've also gotten no updates on Jonathan Isaac really since the injury. I think he he's doing some sort of collaboration with Candace Owens. That's really the only update that that we've received on him. Nothing <laughs> basketball wise. Oh man. Ugh. Yikes. Yikes city. Uh, all right, let's finish out with the, with the stake league. This, this, like, I don't, I don't care about your stake league team. I care about mine and I just need you to like talk me off the ledge because I loved my, my auction. I felt like this was finally the year for me and I, it has been an abject disaster. Can't even blame COVID. It's just been straight up injuries, uh, bad, bad choices by me throughout. Um, it, essentially once, once that report about Paul George, maybe not coming back this year came out, I, I think my my chances were officially sunk. Yeah, man i I took Paul George in in too many leagues. Um, yep. Once you know, and once you start believing in Paul George being healthy, uh, that's then the rest is on you. Um, I know. I don't really have anything to say to to kind of pump you up here because it does <laughs> does look like you're in uh, just too deep of a hole. Um, I am. I, I'm, I'm kind of in the spot where I, I'm close enough that I have to keep go, going through the motions and set my lineup and everything, but I just do not feel great about me being a eater right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I I'm gonna need a miracle of all miracles. Like they, they will make, they will make a movie about this if I get back into to eater territory. If everything had worked out, like I could be rolling out a lineup of. Seth Curry, CJ McCollum, Paul George, Aaron Gordon, Valanciunas, Clay Thompson, Kevin Love, Drew Holiday, Bam Adebayo. Like on paper, I, I don't think I did anything wrong here. I, I think I've been personally victimized 
by Paul George, Drew Holiday, uh, Bam Adebayo, and CJ McCollum all suffering like freak injuries. Yeah, I mean, I can blame myself. Like, I, I, I tried to get too smart and I tried to punt assists because I was like, mm. well, look, it's I'm just trying to be an eater. I'm just trying to finish top half of the league. So if I just punt assists, it'll be beautiful. I'll be, you know, top five. I might not cash, yep, yep. but I'll be eating for free. And then when, you know, when you punt a category, the, the dangerous thing is, you know, if a couple things go wrong, then you're just in huge trouble. And like, for instance, Michael Porter, I think was my second most expensive player I bought. And so just, that you know, punting a category and then losing your second most important player, um, you're kind of coming from such a deficit that it makes it tough. Uh, so I will not be punting categories in the stake league in the future, and let this be a lesson all yeah. Well, you you picked the perfect guy to punt assists in, in MPJ, yeah. so I I don't think you can fault the process. I had there. the perfect player. <laughs> Oh man. All right. Well, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, I, I'm excited. Like for a while there, I was just so dejected that I didn't even want to check the standings. Like my, I, I would, I would know that like one or two players on my team would have a good night and I'd be like, all right, okay. I must've made up some ground here. And like, somehow I would lose like four more points uh, every single night, but at least I'm back to the point where I could field a respectable roster. And I, I don't imagine like everyone else in the league looking and being like, wow, he's, he's really going to start Jetty Osmond this week. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, hey, the, the steak dinner is always fun no matter what, but uh, yeah, you might want to might start saving up. Yeah, it is. I, I've, I've made a tradition of, of buying, but like you said, always a good time. Um, all right, man. Appreciate you hopping on today. Uh, we'll, we'll be back at it next week and uh, enjoy everything that's going on with baseball. I know there's been a ton of content being pumped out there. I actually found myself looking through your prospect rankings on my own volition last night, trying to brush up on the Brewers. Uh, hopefully all goes well with these labor talks. I, I've been following the Jeff Passan tweets, not super encouraging, uh, but, but hopefully we get back on track here soon. Oh yeah. Thanks for having me. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.